Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. The award-winning Crunch Time. Get more out of April with great drive-away prices plus bonus value on a huge range of Honda models. Head to Subway and try the new hot grilled paninis. Jared Whateley, Dermot Brereton, Kane Corns, Bob Murphy with you this Saturday morning. We're in the midst of round six. So much of the discussion still centres on what happens at the end on Anzac Day and there's been furor and controversy surrounding the umpiring in the discourse, in the mood of the Essendon people and then what spilt out in the aftermath. The three umpires were Andrew Stevens, Brendan Hosking and Sean Ryan, one of the AFL's most senior figures. And Sean is with us on Crunch Time. Good morning to you, Sean. Hey, boys, how are you? Good. Have you had the sense of being under siege in the last 48 hours? Oh, there's been a bit of chat, no doubt. But, um, oh, look, over, what is it, 16, 17 years, I've been involved in a few of those. But, yeah, certainly there's been plenty of discussion. The atmosphere in the last 10 minutes or so, which built and built, how intense is that in amongst all that you've experienced? It's right up there, yeah. I was chatting to the other two guys, obviously, um, younger guys, one was first Anzac Day, um, Evo and Hosko is second. So, yeah, in my experience, probably in the top three most intense games I've ever done. At boiling point, did you feel by the end? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, really, two of the clear examples were when the players stopped and there was no whistle. And I mean, that's happened in my games maybe two or three times over the years, but really that's just the result of, you know, that, the, the noise level, the players just can't hear whether or not there's been a whistle. And, you know, because of the scream of the crowd, they assume there's been a whistle and they stop and have a look at us and we're calling play on. And, you know, it's not ideal, but I think, you know, we just need to adjudicate in accordance with the rules. And, and the players, um, there's going to be circumstances where they just can't hear the whistle by reason of the crowd noise. So I'm going to walk through the five moments of contention as the last quarter built. Um, ha- have you done your formal review? We have, yeah. Yep. How'd, so there's the perception in the community that um, the umpiring was poor on the day. Is that matched by the review? Uh, no, it's not actually. It's, <laughs> to be honest, it's probably the other way. Um, but, I mean, we've, there's errors in the game, and I think there was a couple of marking contests where... Um, I think Mason Cox, from memory, got paid a, a free kick. Um, and, you know, on review, the best call would have been to play for play on. Um, and there was another one where an Eston player got a free kick, I think, for a hold in the last quarter where he kicked a goal. And on review, uh, although the umpire who had that play had a clear sight of the Eston player being held, for the other angle, you can see that the Eston player was also um, holding the Collingwood player. So... Um, you know, there was definitely some errors, but in terms of the five in the last quarter, yeah, happy to run through those. Um, and really, you know, from our perspective, that's probably more coming down to an understanding of the complications of the holding the ball rule um, and, and you know, the application of it. All right. These will be, uh, I'm sure, clearer in your mind, so you can talk us through them. So uh, the first, yeah, sure. I think, is Hoskin Elliott, who uh, yeah. he won the holding the ball decision. Yeah, and I, th- I think if we start from, you know, what is the holding the ball rule? And I think everyone agrees, um, you know, to the public, it's a very complicated rule. And 
you know, to I suppose to dumb down the rule, really the attention needs to be, the focus needs to be on did the player have a prior opportunity or didn't he have a prior opportunity? And then what flows from that will differ. And so in the first example of Hoskin Elliott, he has a prior opportunity. Once he's tackled, his obligation is he must handball or kick the ball. So he needs to dispose. And um, you can hear the umpire call play on handball and on the review when they replay it, you can clearly see that he does get a handball. It's not a massive handball. It goes about half a metre to a metre, but um, it's a handball. And so we ask the player once tackled to handball it. Once he does handball it, we can't penalise him for holding the ball. So, and the fist just um, has to make contact. Even a snick with the fist is constituted as a uh, constitutes a handball. Yeah, exactly. Because we can't draw lines and say, "Oh, we want a big handball or a handball that goes more than one or two metres." Basically, once the fist hits the ball, it's classified as a handball, and so that's what we ask him to do and given um he did that and i think anyone who's seen the replay can can see that he does get a fist to the ball ball goes uh, changes direction goes about a meter or so well that's classified as a, a handball and so it has to be a play on call which it was now what happens is um the crowd roar one of the players stops um then there's he sees the umpire call play on and then play continues Crisp is, I think this is the trigger point. So he gets run down by Danaher. This is the one where play stops. Yeah, and so um, this is the one where he has a, a prior opportunity. The first tackle doesn't stick. Um, and then the second tackle um, takes him to ground. And again, because he's had a prior opportunity, he must either handball or kick the ball. And clearly on the replay, he handballs the ball. And so... We can't penalise a player for holding the ball when he actually disposes of the football. You know, it's against the whole um, preface of the of the rule. So, um, in that circumstance, you know, I think I, I suppose part of the outrage is he had such a long time to to get rid of the ball. But the first tackle doesn't stick. Um, the second tackle takes him to ground. He now must handball the ball, and he does handball the ball. So the correct course play on. So the players shouldn't have stopped. No, and um, whether that was. I think clearly, because of the roar, the players would not have known whether there was a whistle um, went or not. Um, I can understand that. And I think they've assumed by reason of the roar of the crowd that a free kick must have been paid. And so the players have stopped. And then once they've seen the umpire call play on, then they started playing again. So, Did Scott Pendlebury duck for high contact? No, he clearly doesn't duck. I think... He, I think some of the commentary has been around whether he, um, I think the words put mayo on it or souped it up, but Scott Pendlebury's um, put his head down to pick up the ball. Now, you know, the fundamental basis of our rules is to protect the player who goes the ball. And so he puts his head down to pick up the ball and then um, two Essendon players meet him front on and there's contact to the head. Now, the only time that that will not be a free kick is if, the Essendon players are stationary and Scott Pendlebury actually runs into the Essendon players. That's that's when we must call play on. But in that scenario, Scott's put his head down to pick up the ball. The Essendon players move towards him and make contact to his head. So you have to pay a free kick. And I think we'd all agree, you know, in circumstances where a player's putting his head down in an attempt to get the ball, we need to protect him. Did Anthony McDonald tip and would he get taken high? Yeah, well, this is a. Really, I mean, this is a really good call. I think the umpire was Brendan Hosking, and what you 
the rule came in about the, the the change to the high tackle rule came in about three years ago, where um, the AFL wanted to not award free kicks to players who contributed to the tackle going high. And this is a great example of that, where the tackle gets Anthony around the arm initially, and then in an effort to sort of get out of the tackle, he lifts his arm, and then the tackle goes around the neck. And so that's the very reason that amendment to the rule came in, because the tackler did everything we asked of him, didn't take him high initially, and then when Anthony tried to get out of the tackle, he lifted his arm to try and shrug out of the tackle, which caused the the um, arm to go around the neck. So, you know, you can see this all unfolding in a split second, but when you slow mow it down and you see exactly what the umpire processed, it's, I mean, in my view, it's a pretty impressive call from a young umpire. And then Callum Brown with the push in the back call and the little sequence that leads up to that. Was that was that all adjudged yeah. correctly? Yeah, so if I can go through that one, that's, that's that's prior opportunity, but from a different perspective. So that's prior op- uh, that's holding the ball without a prior opportunity. So we've spoken um, the first two examples of holding the ball with where a player did have prior opportunity. This is a scenario where um, I think it's Stevenson doesn't have a prior opportunity. So then what the player must do then is make an attempt to kick or handball. He doesn't have to successfully kick or handball and. You know, you will constantly hear, um, you know, through supporters or commentary, how did the player dispose of that? Well, what we need to remember is that when a player doesn't have a prior opportunity, he doesn't need to successfully dispose. He only needs to attempt to dispose. Yep. Now, in this case, he actually does um, dispose in that he ends up getting a, a kick to the ball. But even if he didn't get a kick to the ball, the fact that he attempts to kick the ball would be enough. So in this scenario, he has no prior opportunity. He's tackled, and then he throws the boot, uh, the ball to the boot, and the and, and gets a kick away, a very small one, but it's a it's a kick. And so play on must be the call. Then what happens is Callum Brown's. That's, that's um, a clear free kick put, in the back. So I've just got a minute left, Sean. Here, so the five yep, most sure. contentious decisions are all being adjudged as correct. Is that right? That's that's true. They're all correct. And again, like I said, there's still mistakes during the game, but in terms of those. Um, five ones in the last quarter. I hope that gives some clarity about you know what the rule is and um, and how they were um, adjudicated on the day. Why didn't the AFL tell us that yesterday and quell some of the furor? Well, you know, there's a really thorough review that goes um, that takes place, and so they um, you know spent a lot of time slow mowing, going through all of them, and making sure. You know, we're the first ones to come out and say their mistakes if they're mistakes because we need to try and educate everyone what the rule is and what the what the outcome is. And so they want to make sure that if they come out and say that um, mm. you know these are correct or these are mistakes, that they've got it right. Yeah. So they're, they're really well, you've done that step. for us, Sean, uh, and I think we're all appreciative Thanks, of it. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.